just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds, presented by Lost Highway Brewing Company. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Brian, I hope that by the time this podcast airs, that that paper that you and I have been writing now for what seems like a century will be um, submitted. Are you excited? Yeah. I mean, you need to shove it out and get on to the next thing one way or another. I know. I know. So folks, if you are uh, just new to the podcast, Brian and I wrote a paper about scouting and baseball. Troy Morgan, our third author, jumped on board and added a lot of the scouting history, but we've been working on this thing for two years. So too long. Um, Kids get in the way, Brian. They do. They really do. Let's just blame everything on our children. In general or just with regard to this paper? Physically, mentally, emotionally, perhaps intimately you're at least you're at your you office know? though man i had to have like a legit 15 minute conversation like okay i'm gonna go record a podcast what does that mean and they sort of recite it back they're like stay on the main floor don't bug dad don't be loud and then they, they just like came up with a list of crazy hypotheticals like what if what if sawyer vomits what if we get a bloody nose and i said to answer like 50 wait your kids yeah, said yeah, this yeah. so madeline like, said what like, conditions can we come and bug you and in the That's back of my mind, I was like, if Sawyer walks up here with puke all over him, that actually would probably be good for the podcast. So, yeah, in that case, come on in. You can't no, make up that content. That is just natural. <laughs> if it happens stuff. now, though, it's going to seem it's like awesome. I made it up. Uh, the video has been shared to your timeline. All right. should This is fun. Folks, um, hi, Instagrammers. Good to see everybody there. Facebook followers, good to see you, too. Brian and I, uh, we have a heavy day. We've got a heavy slot kind of ahead of us here. We'll get into some things here momentarily. Before we get into those, though, remember to follow us on Facebook, fb.me slash sportsnerds. We're on Twitter, at underscore sportsnerds. And we are blowing up the Instagram-verse, the Instaverse, at sports at sports.nerds. Brian, I wish that you would get more engaged in the Instagram, but I know that you have know. other things to do. It's where like, I hit my limit. Like I, I get Facebook. I sort of understand Twitter. I don't understand the Instagram. What? What? Okay. Okay. No, what? Just, what don't you understand about it? Can you explain that to well, me? Why? Why can't I post from it on my computer? Why does it have to be on my phone? I can read it on my computer. It, I don't know. Do you make a lot of phone calls from your computer too, weirdo? I prefer to. The screen's bigger on the computer. Sure it is. Everything's what, uh, easier what size on, font the, do you on have on your computer. phone. Yeah, I should. What size font do you have on your phone? I saw a guy at my daughter's swimming the other day with, I don't even, it must have been a special app, how big the font was on his texting. And he was just one one finger in it, just rapid, rapidly sending out a one finger textogram with just like font 20. So I guess I saw my future, a little glimpse of my future. <laughs> I'll, I'll, oh, I'll work that's on my good grammar. to hear. Do you have to have a work picture on, on Instagram? Okay. Is that the point? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, if you want to get the videos, pictures, uh, you get to see a lot of the pictures that have quotes on them, like believe in yourself with a picture of a cat hanging from a tree. Hang, hang in there, baby. Stuff. Oh, ooh, that that's says? good. I like that. I dig that. It, it, I think so. I think you're spot on, buddy. Um, before we jump into the, first, the, the next story, or our first story, uh, Brian and I were actually contacted by Suck Up, Suck Up, 
uh, grain bin, grain manufacturing company. Okay, what do they do? They, I should know this. First, They're from first, Iowa. First they make me. grain bins. What you you got the email? I cc'd you on one. I don't think no? so. Nothing. Um, okay. Well, cool. So basically, uh, I don't know if it's Sage Rosenfels put him into contact with us or what, but uh, Sukup contacted me about having. Sage Rosenfels and or Tim Dwight, who's a former Iowa football oh, player on the that. show, to discuss. Yeah, they're doing some philanthropic work with Suckup. So basically, this this company is building these um, metal homes for uh, kind of uh, the the not political correct term would be third world developing, countries. I think. Well, actually, not supposed to say developing countries. I don't know what we're supposed to say right now, man. My lexicon yeah. is so limited. But anyhow, they're building these homes for folks to basically – they're easy to manufacture, to put together, and um, you know, we live in them. Yeah. They're houses. So it's kind of cool. But they want to get uh, – the folks at Suckup or Sukup wanted to get uh, Tim and Sage on the show because they're going to be actually building um, one of these homes at the Cyhawk oh. Games, the Iowa-Iowa State right. at the beginning of September. So they want to – yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be pretty sweet. So um, I actually need to call Tim today. He emailed me, and I need to set up a time for him to be on the show. The plan was we were actually going to record a live uh, in-person interview in August, but I just got word that he's going to yeah. be out of town. He's actually going to be in Haiti doing the uh, furthering this initiative in Haiti, so talking to some stakeholders down there. So it's really cool. Uh, if you're from Iowa, you understand that there's a massive rivalry between Iowa and Iowa State, and these two uh, – What's the what's Our, the name of your rivalry uh, game? Well, no. It's something stupid, right? Cyhawk. No, Cy-Hawk is there a trophy? Series. There's something dumber than that, right? It's a Cyhawk trophy, Cy-Hawk? right? I thought there was something else. The High V Cyhawk. No, it's really dumb. I would 100 percent agree with you. I think it's a terrible name for a trophy. He's gonna look it up. Look up. <laughs> look producer <laughs> slash co-host. Looking it up right now. Brian I thought Schreiber. we talked about this. But that's a different rivalry that has a really dumb name because some of them are cool, right? Like the Red River rivalry or whatever. Uh, what is it? It's Pittsburgh. It was probably Pittsburgh, uh, West Virginia used to be called like the backyard brawl or something. And wasn't it one of, one of them yeah. called like the Civil yeah. War? I don't know if that's okay, but the Civil War is Ohio. Uh, uh, no, it still, still exists, which is kind of odd because the Civil War is between Oregon and Oregon that's, State. Yeah, that's which I don't think that state ever had slaves. So maybe it is just a Cyhawk. Like we can we maybe like get some suggestions for a better name for this rivalry. Are they, well, t- are they taking suggestions? I'll ask that of Tim today. I don't think they are, but you never know. If this really blows up and we have all kinds of people listening to the interview, then you never know. So let's hope uh, in the next couple of weeks we have Tim Dwight and Sage Rosenfels on together to do this uh, this interview. I think, I think like it would be a lot of needs to be in there or something. What's Iowa? I'll work on this. I'm, uh, corn. Corn. That's corn. What I'm, yeah. Just spitball yeah. there. This coming from the guy who lives in Michigan. Now. Yeah, that's true. Michigan. We got a lot of soybeans too. Do you? Yeah, you got soybeans and trees. What kind of trees grow out there in Michigan? Lots of maple trees. That's cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, actually, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. Maple. Uh, okay. Uh, shout out to the people who are going to win our Whirlpool League, which is going to be me. Yeah. Or. Um, my buddy James, whose last name I can't pronounce because he actually is Croatian. So, JM, did he? Jay Bird, he has Croatia winning. Congrats, he picked Croatia. He I did. want Croatia. Man. I love Luka Modric, man. That guy's a, just a flat-out baller. I do too. I saw this thing. Someone we'll shared to... it on Facebook that uh, in the World Cup in games he's run thirty-nine point one miles or something like that. They track 
how far that would be our soccer players run. Diehard fan John P. Schrader who posted that. Oh, my brother posted that. So he did. Oh, yeah, that's so, did. so cool. But he said it's. Why it's, did your it's, brother it's go by? The, it's the most by a ton. Yeah, I don't know. Really? My brother is is Jay, not John. My sister is Meg, not Mary. Even though that's her name, and I'm Brian, and my name's Brian. So I'm, I'm the only one who didn't get a nickname. What's your real name? Is it like Charles? It's Brian. Yeah, it's just Brian. That's me. You could you could have lied and said anything. Yeah. No, it's true. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Jay came from. Houndsmouth. All right. Okay. Uh, any other uh, really pointless comments that we would like to make? I'm sure. I can jump into come up with something. Are you drinking LaCroix right now? No, no. Uh, Diet Diet Coke out of my Michigan cup here. Oh, man. Repping the, repping the home team. Oh, look at this. Look at all these viewers. We have four viewers. That is a record. <laughs> my, my wife has joined the show. Katie, Katie Brown has joined the show. Here we are. Okay. Well, while we have these two uh, on board, let's get to something really depressing. Whew. All right. Yeah, this is extremely depressing, but we're going to have to jump into it because it's a kind of major. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's been a major topic of conversation in on ESPN or, or Fox Sports, but I know that our go-to source of Deadspin has been covering it a lot. And, and Washington Post has actually been covering it a ton, too. So uh, to kind of summarize what we're talking about here, a few weeks ago, it came out that, uh, well, actually, a, f- a few former Ohio State wrestlers who had wrestled for the Ohio State program? A very, I mean, Ohio State has a fantastic wrestling program, really one of the best in the country. Uh, came out saying that uh, they had been sexually assaulted, uh, abused by, I believe it was a trainer. Is that correct? Uh, one of the, you know, the team doctor. Uh, while they had been wrestling there, the the, the years is nineteen eighty seven to nineteen ninety five, and the big story is that the assistant coach, who at that time was a guy by the name of Jim Jordan, who's actually Ohio's uh, representative, House of Representatives uh, uh, congressperson, uh, had known of the abuse and had been told by wrestlers that the abuse had happened and had done nothing. And so, you know, we have multiple levels of this story, which is obviously, you know, that abuse happened. Um, it happened for several years. Uh, there is an investigation happening by Ohio State. They're doing their own investigation. But as this story continues to take off and gain uh, attention, you would think that the NCAA is going to step in and perhaps some law uh, law enforcement um, authorities. But I, obviously, you and I have been following the story this week. And the big, the big part of the story is that um, the, uh, the Fox News of the world have basically said that these wrestlers are being um, supported, funded by the liberal deep state in order to get Jim Jordan out of office. Now, obviously, we have a, a lot of issues with that, with make, with politicizing this and everything, but there are several levels. I guess I want to open it up to you right now. Do you have any comments to kind of get us going on this? Yeah, I mean, there's there's just a, there's a million and one things to talk about about this. I mean, the, the, the first, obviously, is that this is in the wake of Michigan State and Larry Nassar, which is probably why it came up not for some weird, you know, conspiracy theory, foil hat, deep state reason, probably why it came up, you know, we're in the, the midst of, you know, an important sort of time in history and the Me Too movement and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, that's, I, I imagine why it came up, but I mean, the, the reaction is, is just, is absolutely crazy. I mean, we're seeing it not just in, in this case, but in 
lots of instances about um, allegations about sexual assault and sexual violence that we're, 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 you know, either denying that it happened, saying that these people are lying and that it's, you know, fake news or something like that, or, um, you know, the, the kind of more nuanced thing that's going on with this one is that there's some victim blaming going on, right? This is the idea that, you know, because they're men, particularly uh, because they're wrestlers who are supposed to be strong and, you know, physically fit and be able to defend themselves, that, that there's kind of this either it shouldn't have happened because you certainly were in a position to, to fight back and stop it, um, or there's no way that it happened because you wouldn't have let that happen as kind of a, a way of um, kind of deflecting what the conversation should actually be about, which is about pe people in, in positions of power and positions of trust who are taking advantage of people. I mean, this is the, this is the exact, this is a carbon copy of the Larry Nasser thing where, you know, a doctor is uh, doing um, what could otherwise be seen as a legitimate medical procedure, right? Checking for hernias or something like that and just doing it way too long and, and fondling people's um, genitalia. And it's, it's, it's disgusting. And it's, it's honestly really, really scary uh, to, to think about this sort of stuff. I mean, it's in the case of, of Nasser and in, in this situation, it's, it's young adults, right? Who are, who are in situations where maybe they don't really know what they should do. And, and there's a, the machismo of not really wanting to say anything about it. And it sounds like what happened was it was that it was an open joke at Ohio state, right? That, you know, it was something that was going on for almost a decade that, that all the players openly talked about it amongst themselves and with their coaches and sort of, uh, you know, kind of laughed about it, but that was probably because to come out and say, Oh, this thing happened and I'm, you know, I'm hurt by it or I'm really uncomfortable would have been, unacceptable. And I, I suspect even in 2018, there's, there's, there's some of, some of that stuff going on. So I mean, it's a, it's a terrible story. Um, it's not fun to talk about. Uh, but I just, it's, it's, it's mind blowing that you've got, you know, so many people coming out and saying these guys are lying or, you know, that, that it's, it's politically motivated. Like, come on, why in the world? I, te I texted this to you the other day. This seems like the most insane way possible to try and get some dude a, a, a congressperson kicked out of office like what wh why go through all this trouble for that it doesn't even it doesn't even make any sense it doesn't pass the laugh test man it's 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 absolutely ridiculous but in the meantime what we're doing is you know creating a culture where it's okay to dismiss um you know people who are coming out and saying that they were sexually assaulted and that's i think that's a bummer i think that the point of the me too movement was to encourage people to come out and talk about this stuff, right? This is the stat that we've all heard a million times that the majority of sexual assault and rape cases go unreported, right? Me too was all about, no, if we all can kind of come out and talk about these things together, we can create a culture where it's okay to, you know, to, to, to talk about it and to just kind of share your story and to, and to, you know, pursue charges against people who've committed crimes and that, and, and that sort of stuff. And this is a big step backwards in my mind, that sort of stuff when we're people who have, who weren't there, right. Saying, Oh yeah, no, that, that none of this, none of this stuff took place. Right. You got all sorts of wrestlers saying, yeah, it was an open secret. This dude uh, definitely knew about it. And then you got Donald Trump saying, no, no, I believe, I believe this guy when he says he had no idea. I, I I'm not as coherent as I want to be, but I, this, 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 it's a frustrating story. It really is. No, I think you made a lot of sense. I think there are just the the first thing that stood out to me in terms of people, or the first thing that stood out to me when people began questioning that these wrestlers, I thought to myself, and I told you this the other day, I've known a lot of wrestlers in my life. I've known a lot of college wrestlers 
And I can say this on a podcast. I don't know how we would ever articulate this in an academic paper uh, without sounding misogynistic or sexist, but I just have a really hard time uh, knowing or thinking that someone from within that kind of environment, that, that like you said, uber-masculine machismo environment, would ever throw a story out there to put their own masculinity in peril. And I think like, I'm not tr- even, I'm not going to mince words. That's what I mean. You know, these, it's a very masculine sport. You know, it's a very, any, any organized sport is for the most part. Right. But, but wrestling, especially if you go and you watch any college wrestling, you understand the masculinity is on, on display and being performed all the time. And so immediately I thought, I I guess I gave validity to this story because I, I, I know I've seen the kind of, 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 uh, I, what, what I want to say, uh, connection to, or, or the role that masculinity comes or, or plays in defining one's identity for these individuals made me immediately think that this was a true story. And so when people begin questioning that, if, you know, the deep state, what have you, whether it be a conservative, whether it be somebody who has no political um, affiliation whatsoever, to begin questioning uh, this assault, this abuse, simply because they're men is very, very problematic to me. And you had just pointed that out, right? The Me Too movement was supposed to open up this conversation. Obviously, there's been some very, very negative repercussions of that, some things that we need to question and have deeper conversations about. But that included men as well. That included having a conversation about sexual abuse, sexual assault that happened to men. And I sent you the link from the Washington Post, I believe it was last week or the week before, in which, uh, let's see if they, let's give you the title of this real quick. Um, it was written by Eugene Scott. Oh, actually, it was a couple of days ago. Um, so it's, it's relatively new. Ohio State and Jim Jordan, why sexual abuse claims against men aren't taken seriously. And this is probably a conversation we should have about sports anyhow. This is a conversation that men should be having uh, anyway. But again, they use the example not just of this Ohio State case, but they go back and they talk about <clears throat> Terry Crews, who a few months ago, was it a few months ago? Uh, should have my stats, my, my facts correct. Uh, last last year, anyhow, Terry Crews, the actor, uh, had come out and said that he had been, you know, sexually assaulted uh, by somebody, uh, some sort of higher up um, in the in the film industry. And immediately, all this backlash happens against Terry Crews. You know, saying that he's lying, saying that he should have stuck up for himself. You know, he's a big guy; he should have fought back. All of this stuff, which is such bullshit, because. Um, we are never, you know, we're very, I guess, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll stop here. But my point is, we're, it's just it's extremely hypocritical um, because, you know, we always call, uh, we always say that violence isn't the answer, especially with men. Men should not commit violence. But yet in this particular moment, right, we're talking on both sides of our mouth because we're just expecting that these men should, if nothing else, fight back, you know, be very physical in order to stop this kind of abuse. But it's just, again, it's just, go ahead. It's just textbook victim blame, yeah. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter how big or small someone is because and this, this article makes a really good point, right? That it creates a culture where all claims about sexual assault and sexual violence by men are sort of not responded to in as serious a way as they should. And that that's really dangerous because there is a high frequency of sexual assault against uh, men and boys. It's not obviously not as high as against women, but there's some some stat stuff in that article if you wanted to go and take a look at it. But we tend to not take those things as seriously, here's a, re- a really good example of this, right? Like the this uh, you 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 watch uh, um, the uh, Shameless that show on yep. uh, whatever it is, yep. William H Macy that show. There's an episode 
when uh, if you've never seen the show, it's great. You should go watch it. But there's an episode when they look on one of those uh, sexual predator websites and find out that there's a sexual predator in their neighborhood. Right. And they like a bunch of these people in the south side of Chicago together and they're going to go, you know, beat this person up or whatever. And then they show up and it's a woman and they're like, ah, never mind. Right. Like if, if, uh, and it, what it turned out, it was like an elementary teacher who had sexually assaulted uh, like a fifth grader or something like that. And they were like, ah, that doesn't really count. Right. Does that make sense? Like that, that brand of sexual assault isn't taken seriously. Whereas if it was the other way around, right. If it's a male teacher assaulting a, a fifth grade girl, then we'd be, you know, it'd be outrage and they would be able to kill that person. It's, a, it's like the, the joke is making a comedic point about, the broader culture of the way that we respond to sexual assault and sexual violence claims when they're made by men. And the more serious look at that is what's happening here, right? Where what the, the response has been, you're lying or it's your fault and you could have done something about it. So it's not, it's not that serious, which the, the article that you point out, this Washington post article makes the point that that creates a feedback loop, right? Whereby people are afraid to come out and say something for what you're pointing out is probably the reason they didn't file a complaint or, or talk about it more seriously in the eighties and nineties because of that same, that same sort of fear. Right. So to break that cycle, what has to happen is that people need to need to, to take it seriously. And I, I want to say, circle back to one other thing you said, which is there's real, really no incentive for these, for these people to lie. I don't think that it's, there's some secret plan to, you know, take out Republican senators and representatives one at a time by coming up with these really, complicated stories to to impugn their character or whatever that doesn't make make a lot of sense i think the reason that hasn't brought up been brought up until now is um the reasons that you pointed out which was you know fear of having their their masculinity um sort of question which is a, a, a bummer that that's the way that they they felt and probably people still feel today but i do think it is kind of the reality of the situation i wonder how much of that uh, of you know why they didn't come out during that time and i think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there is that so much of their identity, particularly their masculinity, comes from their position as you know collegiate athletes, and you would never throw anything into question, or you would never throw anything out there that would question that kind of masculinity. Which is, it, I guess, it makes this whole thing really, really uh, tough to navigate because you do it. There's just too many threats, right, to one's identity that come from that, and. <clears throat> In the same way, right, that we might say that it took years for, for some of the women who had been abused by Larry Nassar to come out because uh, gymnastics was so much a part of their identity. I mean, I think Terry Crews, how much of being an, an, an a Hollywood actor is part of their, that identity. It's just human identity is so fluid and so flimsy, you know, and so easy. Like To me, this is why we study what we study, because language can be so persuasive you know, in order to make you and I feel like men or you and I feel like I know, something is as generic as a, a sports fan. But yet when we push back on that, it's so easy to poke holes. It's so easy to see it tumble. And in this particular situation, right, you and I are pointing out just the, the, the weakness of masculinity as an established um, uh, biological component and more as a kind of fluid uh, a social construction. Now, obviously, you know, we could get into long, long debates about about, you know, the line and what lines we cross and, and where that spectrum ends and begins. But I think that's what we're really pointing out here is, is that, I mean, again, to rearticulate what I had said is to, to me, the, these men take forever to come out because uh, so much of who they are is dependent upon that identification 
that that grouping as college athletes, as men, and all of this. And so, of course, they're going to do nothing to attack it. Um, if unfortunately that's not going to stand up in court, right? I think if we were to go to Jim Jordan and try to make that case, that wouldn't work. I'm anxious to see what happens. Um, I just don't. Why do you? Why does? Why does? Why does the right go after this kind of bullshit? I mean, I know the left has plenty of problems, but why would you even? I mean, some of those articles that we sent from from Fox News, right, and bringing the dude in that said this was no, part of the deep state—that like, doesn't even make sense. Well, at all. Yeah, I mean. No, but yet they put that on prime time. I can't remember the the article that you sent me. It wasn't that Washington Post piece. It was a different one. But it, it sort of made the claim that, you know, we're, we're living in kind of a, a you know, a, a world where what the truth is has kind of shifted. And, and for whatever reason, people seem more willing to, to let themselves be persuaded by the claim that some stuff is just fake. Right. And we're not we're not using our critical faculties to really do what I think what we're trying to do here, which is, like, well, let's unpack this and, and think about this. Let's think about the argument that you're making. Right. Occam's razor would suggest that it's far less likely that this is, some, you know, again, deep state conspiracy to remove one Republican representative. Then maybe these people are just telling the truth. Right. Does that make sense? But. I, again, I think if 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 we're living in a culture where where people are willing to, you know, just be persuaded by, oh, that's fake news. Oh, that's liberal media. Oh, that's this. That's that. Then you know, and and listen, I we don't have to talk about Donald Trump on every single podcast, but he was he was doing a press conference today. He's in he's in uh, in Europe. Was doing a press conference with the Prime Minister uh, for uh, Theresa May, and. Uh, so somebody from CNN was trying to ask a question. He said, "No, I don't. I don't quite take questions from from fake news from fake news CNN." And you'd think you th- two years ago, three years ago, if I said, you know, a, a million dollars, would a president ever say that on national television, on international television, in a high profile event? Nope, you're fake news. Everything you say is fake. You know, you would have said, "No, no, no fucking way that would ever happen." And today it happened, and it's been going on so much that, that we're not even surprised. Right. No one even batted an eye when he said that at this press conference, just like, well, I guess I guess that's the world that we're living in. And I think you're seeing that being taken advantage of, certainly in politics as a political strategy, that that if if something comes out that that one weapon at your disposal is just to say that it's fake, that it's a lie, that someone's making it up, that it's a witch hunt or whatever, um, and that there's a certain, uh, you know, some people will be, will, will be persuaded by that. I think it's unfortunate. I think it's, you know, what we're seeing is if not the death of reason, certainly the, the hibernation of, of reasoning and our, our, like I said, our critical faculties. And that's, that's a, that's a bummer, but it, it just becomes very, very harmful in it with a situation like this because of the, the emotional toll that sexual abuse can take on somebody. You know, I think and when you start calling somebody and what they're saying into question and doubting them, that's when, you know, suicide happens or self-harm happens. And it's like folks don't even care. And I, I, I mean, I understand. I'm sure there have been fake, fake, you know, reports of Me Too's and, and all of this. And I understand there's you know, some of those we might be able to question. But um, it's like we question first, but without ever, ever trying to understand. I mean, 
I suspect the overwhelming majority of, of sexual assault allegations are true, like 99.9%. There may be there, we can point at some weird exceptions uh, where, where people have, you know, for some reason levied an un, untrue claim. But I think that for the most part, they're, they're true and that our, our presumption should be to take them seriously and to treat them as, as if they're, they're true. Um, this has got a second level to it, which is not whether or not the sexual assaults took place, but whether or not this dude knew about them or not, right? I mean, that adds certainly a, a layer of complexity. But I mean, I think maybe not the takeaway, but one of the main takeaways has to be here, right? Like, if when people report sexual assaults, our reaction is, you know, no, that's not true, or there's a risk that you're a liar, or we think that maybe it's true and maybe it's not. Our presumption, if our presumption is not, yes, this person is probably making a truthful claim, that, right, will create disincentives for people to come out and say that they've been sexually assaulted, right? If there's a fear that people aren't going to take you seriously or think that you're a liar, right, then you're less likely to come out. So what probably happened in this case was these were, you know, wrestler dudes in the 80s and 90s who were being sexually assaulted and didn't think that they could report it seriously. So it became this kind of open secret of a joke. Years later, it comes out to like, yeah, no, this actually happened. And it was terrible. And the response is exactly what they feared, right? That people don't take it seriously for, you know, all the different reasons that we just talked about. And that creates conditions where in the future, someone's going to say, it's not worth, it's not worth it for me to, to say, to come out and, and file a claim or to talk about my sexual assaults because sexual assault because um, people aren't going to take me seriously anyways. So it's 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 yeah it's you it's it's a low risk proposition it seems like in 2018 to just call someone a liar or say it's fake news or you know insert whatever sort of euphemism for that that kind of logic that we want to use. But I think it does it does real actual damage to do that right. I think it's I think you know to to create a culture whereby we think that when someone reports a sexual assault that it may or may not be true as opposed to one where we assume that the person is telling the truth that that's dangerous sports are the as you're saying that i was thinking sports are like the least progressive place to go to even begin having this conversation not the least progressive it's probably worse but like this this is a bad environment to even be having these conversations about sexual assault because people just they just we right lack the uh, the viewpoint, the perspective to really have a deep conversation, an intelligent uh, academic conversation about it, which kind of sucks because um, people are getting hurt. But alas, I think um, we should probably end that part of the conversation and move on to something a little uh, lighter. How do you, how's that sound? Sound good? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, I thought, you know, let's take a minute or two to discuss that article that you sent me about the Northwestern professor. He's, uh, I'm going to pull it up real quick to make sure that I get uh, everything correct here. Um, the article is from Northwestern's, um, some sort of Northwestern publication, their news publication by Claire Milliken. Yeah. Uh, engineering professor Luis Amaral has investigated complex social and structural networks in areas ranging from healthcare biology to yada, yada, yada. He has since uh, turned his diverse research interests and innate curiosity to his favorite sport, which is soccer. Um, in sum, uh, what this professor has done is using sophisticated coding technologies and analytical tools, Emerald's team has created what they termed an average footballer rating or AFR for each player based on how influential they are in soccer matches. Taken together, the AFR values of all 
players on a given team indicate the team's strength, its success at making passes that result in goals. For people who follow soccer, the top three players, Lionel Messi, Neymar Jr., Cristiano Ronaldo are no surprise. Uh, I'm going to actually post this right now to our Facebook page so people can read it. Um, but basically what we have here is apparently a very reliable and valid measuring device for telling us how valuable players are to their teams. And we are not surprised at all by the leaders, which are Messi, Neymar, and Ronaldo. But I, th I think what I was particularly interested in was that visualization of the match between Italy and Spain. That's just below that. That just basically kind of, to show, kind of goes to show that Spain makes, uh, in this particular match, and I think uh, Croatia, which is quite interesting against their game in their game against England, I think the same kind of thing came out. They make uh, very valuable passes, right? P intentional passes, passes that, that have a purpose as opposed to making a shitload of them. You make, you know, strong, you know, a positive effect uh, passes, passes, and passing. And so those players are going to be, you know, those valuable players are going to be more uh, integral to making those passes. But that was just interesting for me. And then what, what did you want to say about it? Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm curious, you know, what what soccer fans would would think of this. There's there's always a divide, and this article nods to it, right? There's a difference between types of sports that lend themselves to kind of advanced analytics and statistical breakdown, and typically those sports are ones where you alternate between offense and defense, so you can isolate what you're doing offensively versus what you're doing defensively. So baseball is a really good example, right? When you're hitting, you're hitting. When you're playing defense, you're playing defense. Football, another good example. Um, the offense and defense are even different teams, right? Um, the other thing is there's a limited number of outcomes. So if you think about baseball, when you throw a pitch, you know, only a handful of things can happen, right? A swing and a miss, a swing and contact of that contact. There's three or four subcategories of things that can happen, et cetera, et cetera. Even in the most complex of plays, right? Multiple people on base, uh, different out settings, et cetera, out situations, et cetera. There's more options, but it's still limited and it's kind of static. The, the other types of sports where you don't have that are like hockey or, you know, soccer, football, you know, football, uh, where there's a, there's a flow back and forth between offense and defense. You switch back at random and all the time you're it's, so it's, it's harder to figure out what things people are doing that are contributing to, you know, what we'd call wind shares in like basketball, right? What are you doing that's helping your your team win? And soccer's always been really limited on this, right? It's it's scoring goals. You know, there's so there's so few goals in soccer that that can't be the only measure yeah. of whether or not you're making a positive contribution to your team, right? Um, is it assists? Well, there's this the same problem there as well. What if you play defense? Then how can you tell if you're doing a, a good job? So oftentimes when you're watching soccer, what they'll talk about a lot is, you know, your, your, your passing accuracy, like how many passes have you completed? What percentages of your passes have you completed, et cetera. And so what this dude has done is, you know, created an algorithm to say all these different things that we think matter, how can we kind of combine them into one system to see if players are valuable or not? I suspect, and listen, it doesn't show his formula here, that there's a lot of people who would say, you know, you've, you've created a formula that confirmed the players that we already thought were the best are the best, whether or not it's actually measuring how good players are might be, might be something else because it's really, it's really hard in those sports, right? It's really hard to tell um, in, in soccer who's, you know, who's making 
really good contributions, at least analytically, it's, it's hard to tell. So I don't know. I enjoyed this. I like it. I like, you know, it's a cool article. It's got the visuals are awesome to kind of see how he, he breaks some of the stuff down. He's got on here, like the, you know, a dream team where based on his rating, it's like the best possible lineup you could possibly have. And that's pretty, pretty interesting as well. But, you know, again, there's, there's so much that's going on in soccer that it's hard to tell. <laughs> Who knows if this is, if this is right or wrong. It's one of those sports. It just doesn't, doesn't lend itself to, to statistical analysis. Agree. It does not. Um, but like you said, fun, fun visualizations. It was fun to see those rankings. Uh, next up, let's take the last five minutes and just talk about the professional Frisbee association that you sent me. I want to pull up the D de- do you have the details pulled up on that? Oh, okay. Oh, I don't have that one pulled up now. I, re- I remember it. There's, there's, I, I follow you, them on you Facebook did? now. Are we going to donate money to them? Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking that we need to start a GoFundMe page so that sports nerds can can own a I'm share. Look up this link. Okay. Right. Damn. Where is it? Where's the GoFundMe? It's an amateur league, though. Correct. It has to be amateur. Where's the league? Are they amateur? Can't even find it. We are so thing. ridiculous. <laughs> so there's, I guess, a, I, I thought it was professional. Maybe it's amateur, but uh an ultimate Frisbee league in the United States that apparently is, is grown pretty big over the last couple of years. And I saw this on Facebook. They were looking for investors. Basically you could buy, you know, for not very much at the lowest end, it's like 500 bucks and you own a part of the league, I guess. And they send you a t-shirt and stuff like that. Um, but what I found really interesting about this was I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know this was happening. It blows my mind that there's not an ultimate Frisbee team in this league in Colorado. It seems like there's a lot of ultimate Frisbee going on. Um, in, in, at least in Denver. I mean, I played a bunch when I was growing up running across country and stuff. Um, but there is one, there is one in Michigan, but either way, uh, the, the article sort of made this point that, that ultimate Frisbee, if you've never played ultimate Frisbee, you're, you're and you're listening to a sports podcast, I'd be surprised, but it's kind of like a combination of football with a Frisbee without tackling. Is that fair? It's kind of like American football with a Frisbee and you don't, you don't hit or tackle or anything like that. So you're just trying to, you know, pass a Frisbee, your teammates and move down the field into um, an end zone basically. But this, this article, oh, I found it here uh, says uh, it kind of makes an, uh, calling it an article is maybe not correct. It is more of a GoFundMe page, um, but it basically is making this point that it's kind of the sport that younger Americans are more prone to get into, right? That the problems that, football has or that you know golf or hockey have that they're really expensive that they're you know potentially unsafe because they're contact or collision sports ultimate frisbee doesn't have any of that right all you need is a frisbee i just saw one at the grocery store for a buck right they don't cost anything and there's no and there's no contact to it the other thing about the american ultimate disc league is that they uh all of their all of their um games are are streamed digitally right so like they're, they're just kind of making this case for themselves as a sport that, you know, we have ebbs and flows in terms of what sports are popular at any given time. Like, you know, go back 50, 60 years, it was boxing and horse racing were wildly popular. Now they're, they're kind of withering on the vine. I think there's a lot of reason to think that maybe American football will go that way if they, you know, can't resolve some of the cultural issues that are plaguing it. Um, and certainly the, 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 the health risks associated with football. And I, I think that it's just really interesting that, Ultimate Frisbee is kind of positioning itself as the the solution to that problem. It's an egalitarian sport. It's accessible. It's not, you know, bougie. It's not expensive. It's not exclusive. 
right? You know, this goes this goes back to that Hope Solo thing that we talked about when Hope Solo pointed out the problem with um, soccer in the U.S. is that it's really expensive. It becomes kind of a rich white kid sport. You know, maybe ultimate is is the the solution. So I don't know. So look for that, everybody. Look for Brian and I's GoFundMe because I, I, I did find – you found the website. Thank you. Yeah, and we just need uh, – we need $495 to, to get a share in it. So um, that could be fun. Team. We'll have to maybe give it a run. Yeah, for sure. All right, buddy. Well, that was a, a heavy show to start with, but hopefully it ended on a high note. Um, I know that one of these days we're going to have to jump into that um, – proposed change or the changes actually that some of the mid-major oh, conferences yeah. are going to try to uh, put into effect last year or next year to, to change up basketball a little bit. I thought that article was really interesting, but we will we'll ruin that now and we'll, we'll get into it later. But uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook, fb.me slash sports nerds. We're on Twitter at underscore sports nerds. And we are on Instagram uh, at sports.nerds. Brian, do you have anything to add to today's show? Uh, go Croatia, I guess. Go Croatia. By the time, yeah, the next time you and I talk uh, to record, we'll know the winner of that most likely. So, check yeah, out I Roger guess. Federer's new UNIQLO here. He ditched Nike, but they ditched him. Whatever. Is it Uniqlo? Did we figure it out? Someone tell us. Do you say the letters of that 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 clothing brand, or do you say the words Uniqlo or UNIQLO? Someone, someone's someone's got it. Oh, and also send us a. Uh, rivalry suggestions for the the Cyhawk. Oh gosh, we're gonna rename the trophy. I like it. Alright buddy, you have a good day. Yep. See ya. <laughs>